This is the day the Lord has made. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church of Houston, Texas. Man, I am so grateful and thankful for this day that we've never seen before and a day that we will never see again. Thank you today for the privilege of your time, for taking time out of your schedule to allow us into your personal space, to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to become all that God wants you to be. Now remember, you're not watching to make me a big preacher or to make our church a big church. Man, we are here literally to serve you, to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. I want you to walk in victory. It's not about how high you jump when you shout. It's about how straight you walk when you come down. And can you walk in the victorious Christian life? That's our goal, to help you fulfill your potential in Jesus Christ. Our scripture reading today comes from Hebrews chapter 11 beginning at verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me read verse 6 again for you. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please him for he or she who comes to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I've read verses one through six of Hebrews chapter 11 from the New King James version of the Bible. This is the word of the Lord and our proper response is thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we bless you and we thank you for just being in our midst. We thank you for allowing us to be used in your kingdom work. And I pray now, God, that all that we do and all that we say, that it will be pleasing in your sight that it would bring glory and honor to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, before we go any further, I want you to prepare yourselves to celebrate with us today the Lord's Supper. As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord by remembering his death, his sacrifice on an old rugged cross. I've got to tell you, uh, one of the most moving times in my trips to Jerusalem, and I've been blessed to go there multiple times, is when we go not to the 11th, 12th, 13th, and 14th station, but when we go to the garden, the garden tomb. And we're able to sit out in that garden where uh, later tradition says Jesus was buried in the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And to sit in this garden area, to sit in this area of peace, and to be able to take these elements and to celebrate them is a powerful, powerful moment on that trip in Jerusalem. We take the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine and remember the sacrifice of our Lord of his body and his blood. And what's interesting is 
And I'm going to talk about this coming up, man. What's interesting is uh, the death of Jesus was so powerful. Not the resurrection. Not that the resurrection wasn't powerful, but listen to me. His death was so powerful. His death was so moving that even an unconverted centurion cried out, truly, this must be the Son of God. My brothers and my sisters, as we come to this table, as you prepare your elements at home, your your cracker, your fruit of the vine, your juice, whatever uh, your beverage of choice is. We, we stop to remember what the Lord has done for us and be reminded of what the Lord expects from us. Let's go to God and pray and ask God's blessings on our time around this table. Father, we, we thank you today. Uh, we thank you uh, because you chose to die for us. You decided to die to save a wretch like me and all of those who know you in the pardon of their sins. God, we ask now that you would forgive us of our sins as we come to this table. Our sins of thought, word, and deed, our sins of omission, commission, those things that we have done overtly, covertly, and inadvertently pray God that you would forgive us in the name of Jesus let nothing that we have done or said hinder our worship around this table as we remember what you have done for us and we are reminded of what you expect from us as we partake of the body that was given for us and the blood that was shed for us I pray now, God, that you would have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your elements as you have them at home, and let's prepare to celebrate this Lord's Supper together. The Bible says that as often as you do this, do so in remembrance of me. Uh, there was a time when we didn't believe you could take the Lord's Supper as we called it, unless you took it at night. And there were many churches that had Sunday night service and, and those Sunday night communion services were, were a powerful expression, but we need to know that it wasn't on a Sunday night that Jesus implemented the Lord's Supper. And the Lord never delineated that it had to be done at night. He said, as often as you do this, whenever you do this, whether it's Marty Thursday, as we think of it, or a fabulous Friday that was bad Friday until Resurrection Sunday or Sunday evening, whenever you do it, you do it in remembrance of him. I want you to take that element of the unleavened bread. The Bible says that when supper was ended, Jesus took the cup, the fruit of the vine, and after he blessed it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Everybody say for me, say for me. You need to understand that when the Lord suffered, bled, and died on that old rugged cross, he did it with you in mind. He said, as often as you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. Let us eat and remember together. Amen. Likewise, when supper was ended, he took the cup, the fruit of the vine. And after he blessed it, he took it and poured it and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, drink. This is my blood. This is the new covenant. The writer of Hebrews said, without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sins. The old song said, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let us drink and remember his shed blood.
on our behalf together. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now that our worship around this table will be acceptable in your sight. In our individual homes, in our resting places, wherever we are partaking of this. God, I pray that you would remind us, even if we're not in a church building personally right now, that we are the church, that you live inside of us as believers. And wherever we are, the church is represented. So we ask your blessings now on us during this time of worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now this first Sunday in April is... Uh, the mark of springtime and I know there are people all over this country all over this world who are experiencing uh, all kinds of things in your society and your local area uh, but we're grateful as we move and march towards our celebration of Resurrection Sunday uh, but I've got to send a special shout out to all of our April birthdays so wherever you are April birthdays I need you to stand wherever you are I need you to get ready to celebrate. Uh, somebody would say celebrate like it's 1999. Man, let's get ready to give God some praise. Give God some glory around your birthday. All right? Come on, maestro, hit it. Let's sing happy birthday. Well, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Well, we're singing happy. Oh Lord, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, you look good. Don't you know you look fine? We hope you have. Hey, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Ooh, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, we're singing happy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. Man, listen, I hope and pray you have a happy birthday. I hope and pray God blesses you with many, many more. And not just bless you with many more, but bless you with many more days to bring glory and honor to him. Now listen, our praise team is about to come and minister in song. And following that, we have a special guest with us on today. Uh, 1993, I had an opportunity to hear from my late pastor, Dr. E.K. Bailey, about a church that was vacant in the Houston metropolitan area. Um, it was right after I graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary and Pastor Bailey called me and he started telling me about this church and he didn't tell me where it was. He just said, man, Cofield, I think this would be a great fit for you. I think this is right in line with your passion, with your gifts, with your abilities. And I was a little leery, y'all. And let me tell you why I was a little leery, because two years earlier, Pastor talked to me about a church that he wanted me to consider going to, but the only reason he didn't recommend it was because I hadn't finished school yet. And I said, well, Pastor, where, where's the church? And he said, Alaska. And I was like, huh? He said, oh, yes, yeah, a great church, great church. Uh, it's in a town where Air Force Base is, and they have about 1,200 members, man, and, and you will be uh, blessed there. But, man, I can't send you there because you still not finished school. And I was thinking to myself, I'm so glad because... My mama would have killed me if I decided to move across not just the country, but outside of the continental United States with her grandchildren. She would never have gotten a chance to see them at that point. And you got to remember, this is back before uh, FaceTime and, and before Facebook and all that stuff, man. I mean, none of that stuff was even around at that time. So we couldn't even have called her and FaceTimed her for her to see her grandchildren. Well, nevertheless... Two years later, uh, the Lord saw fit to recommend me here, 
and to bring me here at the uh, Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. And Pastor Bailey was convinced that this was a place that I needed to really pray about. And one of the gentlemen who was a young man at the time, who was part of the pulpit committee, uh, cut his teeth on the old pews at the Fourth Ward Church. And we developed a relationship over the years. He was a young deacon at the time. And God has seen fit to elevate him and move him from that diaconate, that, that deacon's ministry. Uh, he acknowledged the call to preach and has been preaching and teaching and discipling. He is the director of membership here at our church, and that's the Reverend Ronald Bell. And I'm excited to have him share with you. And man, can I tell you something? He's got a word for you. Boy, don't go anywhere. I promise you, if you've been praying, asking God, to bring a word to you, God is going to speak through Reverend Ronald Bell. Now, let me tell you a little something for those of you who may not know. Uh, we, we have some tremendous staff ministers here at the Good Hope Church. Uh, somebody told me, they said, man, Pastor, you got a great team. And I can tell you this without question and without a doubt. Uh, whenever I am not standing at the Good Hope Church and I announce or one of our staff pastors preach, everybody applauds. Now that's not true for a lot of churches, right? I mean, if the pastor's not preaching, it'd be, and people are like, man, where can I go? But when this brother stands to preach, our congregation is excited because they are blessed because they know he is going to have a word from the Lord today. Our praise team is going to minister in song. And then following that, Reverend Bell is going to come and share what God has laid on his heart. All right. Hear ye him. Get ready to hear what God has to say to you. Come on, let's worship together. Good morning, good hope. Praise the Lord. Anybody come to bless the name of the Lord this morning? Come on and clap your hands wherever you are. Come on. The song says simply, hallelujah, you're worthy to be praised.
somebody come on and bless the name of the Lord with me. Hallelujah. You're worthy to be praised, Jesus. And we give you glory, God, because you're worthy, God, and you deserve it. You deserve all the worship. You deserve all the praise. No matter what I'm going through, God, you deserve it all. Come on, can we worship God? Hallelujah, yes. My hallelujah belongs to you. My hallelujah belongs to you. My hallelujah belongs to you. Oh, my hallelujah belongs to you. Why? Because you deserve it. You to come to worship God this morning. Come on, say, my hallelujah belongs Come on, let's lift it up together. Say, my hallelujah belongs God, I love you this morning because my hallelujah belongs to you. Come on, let's lift it up together. Say, you deserve all we say and say you deserve that's it come on lift it up say you deserve it oh you deserve it one more time lift it up say you deserve it you deserve my worship Jesus you deserve it you deserve my praise you deserve it yeah come on all of the glory, all of the glory that's it. Hey. You. Say, all of the glory, all of the glory Come on, lift it up, everybody. Say, all of Come on, say, you 
Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning to the Good Hope family and to all of our family on the I Hope Network. God be with you today and is glad to see you and is, I know it's glad for you to see me. Amen and amen. We're here this morning on this Lord's Day, the first Sunday in April. My goodness, it's April. Amen, amen. So we're here to have our time of worship and our time of hearing from God in his word. And so this morning, we're going to hear from God because there is a word from the Lord. Let us pray. God, we come now to thank you for allowing us to see one more day. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And now, Lord, as we come now to hear your word, I pray that you consecrate our hearts and draw, you, draw us nearer to you so that we might hear you in a new and brand new way. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us. And we come now to lift up your holy name and give you all of the glory. And I pray, Lord, that you're glorified and that your people are edified on this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning is found in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 1 and 2, and verse 6. In the New American Standard Version, let me read it for your hearing. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And verse 6 reads, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The grass withers and the flower fades thereof, but the word of our God shall stand forever. About a month or so ago, I was entering a retail store, and as I was going in, there were two ladies coming out. One uh, had her hands full, and so I just stepped aside and held the door open for her to come on out. Well, as she got out and she got close to her friend, I heard her say to her friend, Child, he understood the assignment. Uh, that kind of took me back because I was trying to figure out exactly what she meant. Uh, I was holding the door because she needed help, and I really didn't catch anything about that. I was just trying to be helpful. And then I'd heard that statement before, so I talked with my daughters to try to get an understanding of just where that he understood the assignment come from. Well, it's on social media. It's, uh, it's on TikTok. And it comes from a rap song. It's not necessarily a clean rap song, but that's where it comes from. Now, uh, this phrase, understand the assignment, can be a compliment or it can be criticism. Uh, especially when you're in a relationship and you're trying to develop it, it, it comes up. And so that kind of provoked a thought in me when I thought about God's word. And kind of asked me a question myself. Have I understood my assignment? Have you understood your godly assignment? 
Have you ever thought about a time you missed the assignment? What is God's assignment for you? And as I thought about that, I'd like for us to just to pray about this thought. Understand the assignment. Here in this passage of scripture, we find the writer writing to believers, uh, young believers, new believers in the Christ- Christian walk. And they were struggling because many of them were of the Jew- Jewish religion faith. And so they were struggling because it seemed like where they were headed, people did not want them to go that way. They were urging them to come back to the Jewish religion. And so they were struggling. And so the writer encourages them with this book, with this epistle, if you will. And he encourages them to hang in there. He encourages them to endure through all of the ups and the downs and the hate that's coming their way. He says to them, hold on to your faith. Your faith will have been able you to make it through this. And then at the end of chapter 10, he writes that the just, the saved, shall live by faith. And so the challenge that he presented to them is, how are you living? Uh, Francis Schaeffer, the Christian writer, uh, wrote a book asking this question, how then shall we live? Do you understand God's assignment for you? Have you thought about it? Well, in this text this morning, we're going to find three principles that will help us to understand what God's assignment is for us. So for the first principle I want you to see here in the text, in verse 6, first principle I want you to see is you must believe God to please him. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. But he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The writer here emphasizes what is needed to please God. Uh, He is referencing in verses 4 and 5 what Abel and Enoch did to please God. They understood their assignment. And then when he gets to verse 6, he uses a connective conjunction, the word and, to tell us that all that he wrote about in those first five verses are related to verse 6. And so he says, without faith, 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 faith is a moral conviction of a religious truth. Faith is, is a strong confidence. And when you think about faith, one of the things I think we ought to make sure that we understand is that faith is fluid. It's active. Faith is based on the trustworthiness of God, not on our trustworthiness. The writer here declares that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, preacher, how do you get faith? I'm so glad that you asked because Romans 12, 10 and 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He sets the tone for the assignment and, and faith is what you need. It's a necessity. And he says that you must believe. And, and that word is, is kind of in the family of faith. And, and that word believe has a special expression Because it means to believe into something. The sense of putting one's trust in another. It's a strong sense of personal trust where you rely on someone. In the Gospel of John, uh, that word believe is used over 90 times. It has emphasis emphasis on believing. Even John writes at at the end of of the entire book of John, he says, these were written so that you might believe. Uh, When we think about believe, there's a worldview and then there's a biblical view. The worldview says that you must see to believe. Oh, you've probably said it yourself. Uh, I won't believe it until I see it. You know that relative that you hadn't seen in years, and, you, and they say they come in to the big family reunion. You say, I see it when I believe it. Well, the biblical view flips the script. Uh, Thomas said that he would not believe that Christ had risen until he saw him for himself. And when Jesus appeared, he, he went to Thomas, and Thomas touched his nail-scarred hand. 
And then Thomas believed. And Jesus told him, Thomas, you, you believe because you have seen. But blessed are the ones that believe that have not seen. In John 20 and 29, Jesus makes it clear to him what the biblical view is about belief. Believe is you trust and, and you, you depend on God who you have not seen. So your faith and your belief is on a transcendent God, a supernatural God. Faith does not rely on feelings, emotions, thoughts. It does not rely on you being up today, down tomorrow. Uh, you are confused. Sometimes every day you're angry and you're happy. Uh, you believe what God is doing based on what you see. And in 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, we are told by the Apostle Paul that we walk by faith, not by sight. Abraham and Sarah considered their feelings when they were struggling with their faith. God had promised them a son, and, and he took his time to deliver that son. So they went on and did their own thing. And then they displeased God by going against what his will was for them. So faith challenges us to wait on God. The other word in there is the impossible. The impossible, is, it, it tells us that, that we're weak, we're powerless. Uh, figuratively, it means that a Christian's faith is really not yet quite firm. Jesus expounds on that in Mark 10, 27. When he was talking about the rich young ruler, he says to the disciples, these words in Mark 10, 27, look at, looking at them, Jesus says, with people, it is impossible. But not with God. All things are possible with God. When we look at that word impossible, it really tells us we're lacking something. And, and when lacking something, we don't have all that we need to please God. So pleasing God means to trust him on this pilgrim journey. It means to mix trust with our actively walking day by day. It means that we've got to depend on God morning, noon, and night. That word please is saying to us that it's to gratify. Have you ever tried to please people? Or oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about. You try to please them and nothing you do is right. You hit or you, you miss and you're frustrated. Pastor Ron Dunn out of the Lifestyle Ministries looked at this and, and this is what he remarked. It's quite a remarkable feat that it is possible for you and me to please God, God who is holy and righteous. So holy the Bible says that he is too pure to even look upon sin and has such an infinite moral standard. You and I have a chance to please this God. You and I have an opportunity to please him and, and, and the good news is that it don't take much. What you mean by that? Well, uh, Jesus made the example by taking a mustard seed and, and when the disciples were trying to uh, heal and, and, and do all of the things that God was embelling them to do, he said to them in Matthew 17, 19, 20, they wanted to know why they couldn't cast out a demon. And he told them, you don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, that if you had even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible for you. Oh, that's a little bit. He didn't ask a whole lot for us to have faith, to please him. Yes, little old you, little old me. Yes, a little fickle and fragile you and me. The ones that are hot today, cold tomorrow. The ones that talk to God every now and then. Those is who he's talking to. He said, that take much. Just a mustard seed. And without that little bit, we can't please him. But with that little bit, it's powerful enough to move mountains. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but do you need a mountain moved in your life? This morning, do you do you need something to happen this morning? Well, all you need is a little mustard seed of faith, and God 
will be pleased. Second principle in the text says that you must seek God, you must seek God to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Every baptized, blood-bought, water-baptized believer must believe that God exists. You gain confidence when you are in an active quest to please God. The text uses two verbs, comes and seek, and, and they're written in the present tense, which tells us that it's an active mode, and it means that we got to keep on. we got to do it all of the time. It's in the right now. Uh, we got to take the active to position. Faith is not dead, it's active. And the life of faith is always active. We have to seek God out. And, and, and blind Bartimaeus gives us the idea of what that looks like. In Mark, the 10th chapter, uh, he was blind and he heard that Jesus was near and he sought him out and he hollered for Jesus to heal him. And, and when Jesus turned around and healed him, he said, your faith has made you well. Seek God. Seek to please him. Pleasing God is a divine act. It's an obligation. It's a necessity for you and I. If we're going to understand our assignment, we must understand that it's a necessity. We are compelled to please God. The divine necessity in this text requires us to dig deeper and to have the right focus. And the right focus is that you must seek God, the creator. Uh, he is the creative force. Dr. Charles Adams noted that Latin and Greek scholars say that God created the universe out of nothing. Everything and everybody but God came from God. He is the creator. The old saints would say it this way, before there was a when and a where, and a then and a there, there was God. The earth rotates on his axis so that you and I don't get too hot or too cold. God created that. God created the stars in the night. God created all that you and I see. And my favorite one that he created is he created a black cow to eat green grass and produce white milk. Yes, God is the creator. And if you're seeking God, the creator, then you're seeking the right one to please. Then you have to seek the God who is the designer. Uh, he designed all of us as, in, as individuals. Uh, we move and, and have our being in him. Uh, our DNA is specific to us. Our fingerprints are specific to us. We got straight hair. We got kinky hair. We got wavy hair. We got curly hair. We got dark skin. We got light skin. We red, yellow, black, and white. All of our lives matter because of the designer who uniquely made all of us. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. Nothing is too hard for God. He's omniscient. He has perfect knowledge and wisdom. You must seek the God that is a designer. You must seek him and believe that he is who he is. We seek our own pleasure when we try to reorder the creator's design. When we try to make things what they were not designed to be. You must seek God who made you. The psalmist put it this way in 100, Psalms 103. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The text teaches us that our assignment is to please God. We must seek God. Have a life that, that a faith that means it shapes your behavior. It guides your walk. You must live like God is real. And he's just not an acquaintance on Sunday morning. Uh, seek God, the creator and the designer. I've told you that you must believe God to please him. You must seek God to please him. And finally, you must believe that pleasing God will pay off after a while. Uh, in the last part of that text, it says that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. It refers to God who rewards those who seek him. Uh, this transcendent God, the rewarder, that, that rewarder is a noun, and, and it's specifically talking about the only true 
God, Elohim, El Shaddai, the God that will take care of you. And it says that God gives the reward, not man. When he's the object of our faith, we're rewarded by God. He is pleased with our faith. Uh, his rewards are, rewards are without measure. Now this is not a name it, claim it kind of declaration. This is not prosperity gospel. Uh, this is not mom and daddy giving you a reward when you're temporarily doing good. No, this is a reward for hanging in there. This is a reward for enduring. This is a reward for walking daily with God. Well, how does biblical faith work? Faith is rewarded in multiple ways. You must believe to be obedient. The Bible tells us that God reigns of the just and the unjust. A faith reward becomes and comes in a variety of situations. When you look at the hall of faith here in Hebrews 11, uh, God rewards each one of those faithful servants in a different way. There are a variety of outcomes to faith, having faith. Sometimes it can be immediate, and sometimes we got to wait on God. The writer here in, in Hebrews gives us a, a wide range of results of how God rewarded the faithful, the saints of old. And when he talks about Abel, he talks about Abel's reward is that his faith speaks after death. He talked about Enoch, and, and his reward is that he did not see death. He talked about Noah and, and the fact that Noah built an ark when there had never been any rain. And he says that because he did, he's an heir of righteousness. And then he talks about Abraham, who traveled to an unseen land. He came, became the father of many nations. And you know, when you think about the reward and you think about the ones in your life that have been on this journey a long time, you, you know that they've had faith and their faith has brought them all the way through. Oh, you know who I'm talking about? My dear and, and big mama. They kept on praying for you. And they kept on praying. You know who I'm talking about? Paul Paul, who says to hold on to God's unchanging hand. He says to stay under the blood. You, you know who I'm talking about that has brought you in their prayers to where you are now because they've held on to their faith. You've been in a pandemic, but you know you've been holding on to God and to your faith. You found out that in this pandemic, God is a rock in a weary land. You found out that if you hold on to his, his unchanging hand, that when you're down to your last dollar, he's the one that's going to be Jehovah Jireh. He's going to provide for you. You know that God is faithful in season and out of season. You're finding out some things about God. You understand that it ain't going to be your way. It's going to be his.